Exactly. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Sources on the Soil. I am Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. My boy, Terrence Tomlin of the Bigs Down in the Dirty. Yes, sir. Fine. White Sox down two zip in the series uh, after a 6 1 loss in game one where Lance Lynn was less than stellar. Lucas Giolito battled. He battled. He battled until finally, you know, there in the top of the bottom of the fifth inning. Houston got to him a little bit, five walks on the day. Uh, good stuff, but just didn't have his top notch control. And the White Sox fall to the Houston Astros nine to four. As once again, this ALDS Houston comes to Chicago on Sunday night with a commanding 2 0 lead in the series. Uh, the Bigs have had everything covered as, at It's the Bigs, at Tomlin Does It, and at Stay Humble. They've been there for every pitch and every moment of this series, and they'll continue to do so as they change venues to guarantee rate on Sunday evening, 7 o'clock. The rate should be rocking. It should be the black hole. That's yeah. what we're looking for because this team definitely needs that energy. Man, they, they're definitely going to need that energy and, you know, and a few other things. But, uh, yeah, man, being down here in Houston in the south, you know, and, uh, you know, being over there at Minute Maid Park, I, I got to tell you, those Astros fans are super legit. They get louder than loud, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for those guys over there, man. And, uh, you know, more, you know, of course, it's been difficult on the field. But, man, just that atmosphere has been a tough atmosphere for, an, you know, opposing team to come in and play in for sure. And, uh, you know, I said it on uh, our Instagram SD. I'm like, I had a message for the fans. Woo! The South Side needs to be absolutely rocking. I, you know, I hope wh whoever is coming to the game is ready to show out, you know, and go crazy because they're definitely going to need that that extra man, you know? And the fact you talk about how the Houston Astro fans made an impact on this game, Lucas Giolito referred to it in the postgame when he said, you know, we had just taken the lead. I wanted to go back out there and get the quick inning so we could keep the momentum. And, you know, it was just an atmosphere that I wasn't used to. And, yeah. you know, I had to soak it all in and use it as a learning experience, which is kind of shocking because, as I said before, well, just from a stuff standpoint, we discussed it on the first on the preview of the ALDS. I, I just felt like his stuff matches up against Houston. I mean, if you if you throw majority fastballs, it's very hard to be successful against this Houston Astros team because that's what they love to hit. But anytime he's his slider was really good today. Yep. In the middle innings, he lost a little bit of control. I know he said he was upset because he felt like he got ahead of a lot of batters and then just threw some non-competitive pitches in certain situations, ended up in a lot of three and two counts. He did. Carlos Correa mentioned that also in postgame, that they wanted to work him and get him out the game because they felt like his stuff was really good. And um, they wanted to get to the bullpen. And we'll get to the White Sox bullpen a little bit later. Got you. Hey, I – that first inning for me, let's go back to game one because we didn't really get a chance to talk about game one. Uh, Lance Lynn, I was worried about the matchup because Lance throws about 74% of his pitches are fastballs, whether it's a two-seamer, four-seamer, or a cutter. They warm down. 
walks were a problem for Lance Lynn. He hadn't, I think he had walked three people since September 1st or something like that. So control wasn't hadn't been a problem. And I, I want to get your thoughts on Lance Lynn's performance and then how that kind of parlayed into Geo's performance. Because for me, you have to respect the lineup that is the Houston Astros and what they put out there. But it's to a point as a competitor was like, yo, I'm not about to respect you that much, you know, and I just feel like we're trying to throw way too many perfect pitches instead of just trusting our stuff and coming at these dudes and pounding the strike zone. I feel like they came into this series feeling like they needed to be perfect to beat this team. And uh, I feel like it showed immediately in game one where you, you get a really kind of relaxed Houston team. And then you just felt like the White Sox were tense, bro. Like walking up, trying to walk a thin line. And it didn't work at all for Lance Lynn. You know, I, I'm not sure if it was something where Lance Lynn felt like regardless of who his, you know, opponent was that he had to rely on his strengths. But it just felt like a terrible approach. Uh, you know, a terrible game plan to, especially in game one. When I feel like, you know, especially, you know, like Lucas said, in that atmosphere, game one was was really important, I felt. And, you know, Lance Lynn, I know a lot of people disagreed with the way I felt. I thought Lance Lynn was a, a decent a decent uh, decision, a decent choice to go with for, the, you know, the game one starter. Mm -hmm. But as, you know, I'm watching the game, of course, I'm starting to reconsider. And I'm wondering if Tony, you know, made that decision with the with the mindset of letting the matchups get stronger as the series extends, because not only he wasn't he didn't have a short leash, he let him get beat up early and often, and uh, man, it, it just was like a it's like a, a poodle put up to a pit bull in game one. You know what I mean? You, you come out kind of timid, and your opponent is ready to bite your head off. You know that's exactly what it looked like. You talk about that on the flip side, the Houston Astros. It's been very clear what their game plan has been for this series. They're not going to beat themselves, and they feel like if they play clean baseball, they can beat the White Sox. And that's They wanted to jump on the, the starters early. They said that. And the pitching coach before game two actually said, which is something that I subscribe to pretty much the entire year, and it, before we even get into next year and what needs to happen, we still have to allow this year to play out. But when you go up against good good pitching, the White Sox lineup is, is easier to pitch against because it's right-hand dominant. There's a lot of right-handers in that lineup, and if you can go with the same game plan, you don't have to worry about switching it up. That's what makes Tampa so tough, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Yep. And they have lefty righties off the bench to combat anything, any move you make in the bullpen. And hopefully, you know, the White Sox can make that addition and change things. But, you know, Adam Engel injured at the end of the year. It's been injured all year. Really never yeah. got into a rhythm. I mean, I'm not happy with him being in the lineup every day in a playoff series. He's more of a utility guy. Absolutely. He's more of a defensive replacement. Uh, we can get to him probably. Sh he should have been in right field instead of Lurie Garcia on that play. Absolutely. Yeah, Without we, question. We saw Lurie get turned around. The same thing for Dylan Cease's last start at the rate. 
And I, especially if you're trying to get Caesar Hernandez up at the plate. I mean, that's really no. Yeah. And, you know, and, and honestly, bro, that was my takeaway from that situation. I was actually kind of confused at the moment. I'm like, okay. I'm like, if you're going to pitch in for anybody, why not Leury? And, and if yeah. you're going to, you know, if you, if you want to get Cesar Hernandez a bat, just throw him at second. Just, you know, do a straight up replacement for Leury. But even before we get that, why do you want to get Cesar Hernandez a bat anyway? And I mean, it, and then you replace him in right field for Adam Engel in in a in a close game. Yeah, you know, it, it was completely baffling. And when I saw Leori do that three sixty, when that ball was going over his head, you, you knew that was the gates being broken open. It, it was reminiscent of what we saw Sunday. Yeah, you know, two straight balls he misplayed, and it's like, come on, Tony, the, you know, tie game. Going into the seventh, you cannot make that type of move. And it's a few yeah. moves that Tony made that I'm sure we'll get to that we question. And I'll question definitely something he said in the post game concerning Michael Kopech. You know, we haven't been able to. My head. Yeah. I, bro, I was scratching my head yeah. at, the, uh, at the Michael Kopech comment. And we'll get to that. But, but you know, on Leori and, and that just situation, real quick. I was kind of surprised. And, you know, one of the things that I wasn't expecting to happen over these two games, bro, is for the White Sox to look so small in these big moments. Like, hmm. I did not expect them to look, you know, kind of, you know, amateurish. And that's probably too harsh of a word. But Leori, that ball gave him the fits. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, you know, for that to happen against that, you know, the Astros, that caliber team, I feel like it was another instance where the differences, you know, of these two teams were just, you know, on full display. I could not imagine anybody in that Astros outfield, you know, playing that ball like that. So it's, uh, it, it you know, as far as, you know, I know you said that, you know, before we came on, we, we, we don't want to be too gloom and doom, but it, it is going to be tough to uh to fight back against this team where I you know I thought they smelled blood after game one and I uh, came out and showed you that you know at least in their atmosphere they're gonna be on their game so yeah I agree with that and I know a lot of Sox fans might be on the ledge right now and then you have the other side with Sox fans are like we're coming home we play better at home hopefully the bats can get going they hit much better in game two but yeah. it was all singles uh, no extra base hits. Lot, Tim Anderson, lot of weak stuff. Yeah, Tim Anderson had three hits. Luis Robert continues to just blossom into a superstar right before our eyes. Mr. Automatic. Um, the most, and this is hard to say this because he means so much to his team. The most disappointing at bat for me early in the game was Jose Abreu's. You get <laughs> you get the first two guys on, and just you can tell that the the pitching for whether it's McCullers or Framo today, their bullpen, their game plan is to take the power away from the White Sox and force the White Sox to be patient. And the the White Sox get into these situations where they have runners in scoring position and they become undisciplined, mm -hmm. right? They become undisciplined. If they hit, if you notice every big hit for Houston 
was right back up the middle. When they get in those situations, they're not trying to do too much. No, they're not trying to yank the ball. Fastball. Yeah, play. They're taking it right back up the middle or they're hitting yes. it where the defense isn't. And that's how you have to play winning baseball. In those situations, you really have to level yourself down. And then the next opportunity he got, you saw Jose do that. Not try to do too much, take the fastball the opposite way, and he knocked in a run. So that's the consistency of the approach. Because I felt like the approach for the first five batters was really good. I think everybody tried to stay inside the baseball. No one was really trying to get around the baseball. They took their hits. They went to the opposite field. They hit the ball pretty hard. Yo, they made a, the, the Astros made a play that basically saved two more runs in that first inning. Yeah. First inning definitely could have turned out to be three to nothing, White Sox. You know, you tip your cap to the defensive player, Jose Altuve. After the one nothing, allowed his team to yeah. come back, put up two in the bottom of the second, kind of seized control until the White Sox put up the three spot, took the 4-2 lead right there in the top of the fifth. So it was just that type of game where the small mistakes, and we talked about it on Twitter, the playoffs expose all your flaws. Like, you know, game one, they just beat you. You just got beat. Game two, you had the opportunities. And every flaw that existed, the entire 162, it showed up in this one game. And that has to be the most disappointing thing because that was an opportunity to steal a game, get home, and never go back to Houston when you go to the bottom of the fifth. That, that's exactly what it was. I, I keep falling back on the Astros' defense. You know what I mean? That – uh. My bad, bro. No, you that, uh That Astros defense, man, that Yasmani Grandal, uh, you know, that Yasmani Grandal hit that looked like a short double mm -hmm. that ended up being the out that, I, you know, it looked like two runs could have scored. Bro, it's just feeling like the better team is beating up on, you know, the lesser team right now. And if we got into the conversation on how do the White Sox fight their way back, you know, fight their way back, I, you know, coming into this one, I said they had to score early. You know, I said that the pitching had to be a lot stronger, and they did both of those things. Yeah, it was just one run, but they did score early. It just wasn't often, you know, as you know, as often as it should have been. And then you look at what the Astros were able to do, and it was just capitalizing on the White Sox mistakes. Uh, you know, at one point, I think they had four four hits, uh, and got four runs out of that thanks to the walk. So. The White Sox have to come home and not necessarily play perfect baseball, but they can't make the mistakes that they've been making. Um, and the second that the Astros make a mistake, they have to capitalize on it. You know, leaving runners on, you know, runners in scoring position, which, like you said, has been a flaw, you know, for them all the way through the regular season. But coming, you know, coming into today, and, and my bad, I'm forgetting what inning it was, bro, but having two runners on and not being able to, you know, get anything out of it. It's just one of those, another instance where you just pile it into the woulda, coulda, shoulda pile. In. And now that, you know, it's just piling up. The White Sox haven't been able to take advantage of their opportunities. The power is gone. You know, the, the power has been a complete power outage, you know, not even a single extra base hit, bro. 
And, uh, you know, that, that's definitely worrisome coming into even going home where, again, I, I take it back to the atmosphere. I don't know if that atmosphere guarantee rate can match what was going on in Houston. So um, it's, it's a tough road ahead. I'm interested to see what Tony La Russa is thinking as far as how he's approaching, you know, the starting pitcher and, and beyond for game three. Uh, because like you said in the post game, bro. And I feel like he he was kind of defensive and and I feel like that's kind of a Tony LaRusso thing, like how dare you question my decision making kind of thing. We've and seen that during the season. We we, yeah. we yeah, we recognize it. And that's why you get the comment that he, you know, about the you know the usage of Michael, you know, Michael Kobeck and the fact that it's been two games that we have not seen, you know, the top two White Sox relievers. You know what I mean? And I, and I'm, I, you know, I'm scratching my head. You know, I'm scratching my head because I feel like he's treating this, you know, I mean, he's treating this like you have a tomorrow. You know, you're playing for Sunday, and and looking like you're forgetting the fact that if you lose this win, it's winner stay home. Yeah. So uh, most of their big hits will upset me because let's start with the uh, the move to bring Garrett Crochet in, right? And Garrett Crochet pitched very well yesterday. Came in, struck Alvarez out yesterday. Yep. And so you bring him back in to face Alvarez. And his man on first and second. And at that point, he gets 3-2. Alvarez is fighting the fastball off. He's throwing 96-97. And he can't square the fastball up. And it's at that point where I'm saying to myself, like, yo, stop flirting with danger. Like, if you look at every big hit they got except for the home run by Tucker, which was on a slider that bagged up on Kimbrel, it's the fastball. And I said, when they get in those situations, they are very cool as professional hitters and veterans and having playoff experience with hitting the ball right back up the middle. They do. They're fine with that. And it's just amazing that Crochet would throw nine consecutive fastballs and and Grandal would keep calling it. It's like, wait a minute. At some point, you struck him out on a slider yesterday. Why are you not calling a slider? And it's at bat. Whereas it has to come at some point. It, you know, it's a lack of recognition for, I feel like, for what the moment. Yeah. You know, the banging your head up against the wall, like, what are you trying to prove? You know, <laughs> you, know you saw how Lance Lynn got dealt with. Right. You know, with that game plan. And the one pitcher that you have success, you had success with, you know, like you said, with that slider, you come in and you're not even using it. Not using it. And, and that's why it gets frustrating. As the, I feel like that's what where the frustration kind of comes from, as far as the execution and the game plan. It's like okay, that you you weren't ready. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. know, you, um, in between games, you know, Mankata spoke this morning, and his big thing was, you know, yeah, we were nervous yesterday, but we're ready now. They had a real explosive uh, BP. Uh, but again, you know, none, none of that showed in, you know, in the game. And Yasmani Grandal, who I feel like 
at least, you know, somewhat when it, you know, whether it's been framing pitches or catching the ball, Yasmani Grandal has definitely been dude, under he's been on the summer jam screen. He's a big he's he's a big brick wall back there, dude. But to call you know that yeah. number of fastballs in that moment when the when the momentum is shifting, when you really need to get out of that inning. Yeah, you know I mean, it, I feel like it was an unexcusable approach, bro. Yeah, you know there's I mean? no and, reason. Yeah. There's no reason. And then to come back a couple of batters later, and to get Correa on the slider after he fouls off a lot of fastballs. Mm-hmm. Now you throw the slider and you get him. It's like to get out the end. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, what are we thinking? Yeah. Like when Gio had that tough inning. It was back-to-back change-ups that got him out the inning. Mm-hmm. The way to get these guys off balance and to go at them is to throw the off-speed pitches, man. And we keep trying to challenge these dudes in three, two, two, two counts. And clutch situation is – and it's like, yo, what are we thinking? What are we thinking? Geo established the slider early. Man, he worked Michael Brantley all day. Michael Brantley, historically, his Giolito better than anybody in that lineup. I think mm-hmm. it's Altuve and Brantley. He worked Michael Brantley over all day with that slider. All day. Brantley finally got a good hit on him out the center field, uh, right out the Altuve ground. Those yep. Again, ground ball up the middle to start the NFL. Ground balls, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Brantley flies out. But we're just pitching too much. But I've said this all year. I've never seen a pitching staff with stuff like the White Sox that only pitches to, like, one-third of the plate and tries to be perfect way too much. Oh, yeah. Definitely they're not into, you know, you know, throwing, you know, challenging hitters and everything like that. Like you said, they try to be – Perfect, and uh, honestly, it's getting ate up, bro. You know, I, I don't even know what what else to say about the pitching. It's as far as their performance over these last two days. We, you know, over the season, you talk a lot about these guys having the best, you know, one of the best rotations in baseball, if not the best, and they just haven't showed up. And, and I, as far as Lucas goes, what would you say about his overall performance today? You know, to come out in that fifth inning. And, um, you know, to give up that leadoff walk to Altuve and, uh, you know, then put another man on and yeah. then later admit that the, the moment was unfamiliar to him. Yeah, I mean, it's like what type of confidence do you have in Lucas moving forward, if that's the case? I was disturbed by the comments. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Lucas going into the playoffs talked about how hungry the team was, talked about the experience last year. And you really can't compare the experience. There was no one out there when they faced Oakland in the stadium. There was no atmosphere. So that game one he pitched, like I said, you can't compare. The atmosphere down in Houston, I was disappointed not because I thought he battled. I really did. I thought he battled. I thought he had a really good plan of how he wanted to go with them early, establish the slider. He was trying to go through the, the batting order the first time without using the changeup. Like, I, I saw what he was trying to do. And then when they flipped it, he was going to try and use the changeup a little bit more 
off the slider to keep them off balance uh-huh. and, you know, kind of get through the sec- the order the second time. Great plan. Like you said, it was just about the execution. You know, you get in out in front of these guys, you know, probably the, the biggest at bat of the in- of the game was, you know, the walk to McCormick that allowed Maldonado to bat yep. in the fourth which flipped the lineup and allowed Altuve to lead off in the fifth. Back to, right? back to the top, yeah. If you have McCormick 0-2, and then you're trying to be cute and make the perfect pitch, you end up walking him, and then, you know, you go into a deep count with Maldonado, and you just lose. I think it was uh, on a TV broadcast. And this was really important because at the time I was like, come on. Buck Showalter said, even though they didn't score, the Astros won that inning because Altuve will be leading off the fifth. And it ended up being prophetic. Yeah. You know, when he said that, I didn't think that much of it because I thought Gio will come out and continue to do his thing regardless. But as far as Gio going out there on the bump, I'm not worried about Gio because I think Gio is that type of dude that embraces those moments. I was just shocked that he said the moment kind of got to him. Like, I don't even know if I would really say that. Like, <laughs> I've, just I've say, never heard a starting pitcher say that. Like, just say, like, yo, man, I wanted to get out of the inning. I tried to be too fine. I tried to be too perfect with my pitches, and I didn't execute. I ended up putting some guys on. And you know that's that. But to admit that you that you felt like the moment got to you, it's like, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you were talking big trash leading up to this. Like, yo, we're ready to win. We feel like we can beat them. We're confident. We're hungry. Okay, then you should be ready for the moment. It's the playoffs. Period. You should know what to expect. I'm not saying that you're not going to take a step back off the mound or the rubber every now and then and take a deep breath to say, yo, man, this is wild. But when you step back on the rubber, it's like it's time to compete. So, yeah, I, I was disappointed by the comment. That's that's where I kind of get reminded. You you know, I feel like maybe the Sox kind of got, you know, caught up in this, you know, in beating up on the AL Central. Mm. You know, the bullying that they were able to do and lock down that division uh, for as long as they had it locked down, I'm not sure if they had that edge that they thought they did. You know what I mean, when you when you break it down, of course, everybody knows now. You yeah. know yeah. that they were able to beat up on the weak teams and, and struggled against the better teams. Uh, but, you know, you look back at those Houston Astros series, and even though they were undermanned, the Astros are beating them the same way they beat them in June. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I feel like this is a um, – a big look in the mirror for these guys. And and honestly, I, you know, I feel like in a couple of days we'll have to have another conversation about how they really have to improve and, and their role forward because one of the things that this series is, is giving me is a look at their true timeline. You know what I mean? Okay, we thought they were a World Series caliber team for these first two games they haven't been. You know, we'll see how they play at home when they come in, you know, when they come, like you said, they they, they did have the best home record yeah. in the league. 
Um, I, I totally expect them to play better. And um, the field plays different. Now, this, yeah. this is something yeah. because the Houston Astros and T, I don't think either one of us experienced what it was like to be at a playoff game in the old Metrodome yeah. when the Twins were in their heyday. But they built that Twins team to take advantage of their stadium. The Astros are the exact same way. Like Man. you can tell the way they approach everything, they're used mm -hmm. to playing it, the way they set up their defense, oh, and yeah. how they want to play you. They bunch everything, really. They want to protect against the alleys, right? That's how mm -hmm. they defend. They want to take away the doubles in the alleys. You saw Tucker when he robbed Grandall. That should have been a double. Score that was an amazing runs. play. Amazing play, huge play in the game. And it seems like every time the White Sox hit a ball that you thought was going to get through, one of the Astros defenders was right there. Every time. Every time. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> and But that's them knowing their ballpark, playing yes. to their ballpark. Out to now, the way, up the middle on that Eloy, it was a sure single. The way yeah, he, absolutely. Nasty. Absolutely. And now the White Sox get to come home, and they get to play to their part. And their lineup is more suited to their part. Of course, the Astros can come in play a clean game, pitch well, and win on the road. But the White Sox now have the advantage. The out, the infield here against T-Rate is not as fast mm -hmm. as the infield down there. So now the ground balls that might get through for the Astros, they might not get through here. Those small things change game by game. So hopefully that's something that we can take advantage of. We should feel more comfortable, and hopefully we can get a really good man. If Cease can give us five innings of two-run ball, that's that's the baseline. You really can't ask for anything more than that. Give us five innings of two-run ball. Hopefully, he's so young that he's immune yeah. to everything else. That exactly that he's kind of naive to the moment. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. They they need that kind of blind, you know, fury. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it's like just go out here and pitch your ass off, kid. Okay, yeah. at this point, nothing else matters anyway. So yeah. we just need you to go ahead and, and be you. And like you said, man, to go back, you know, and piggyback on your point when you were talking about, you know, they're being humble right now. Oh man, they're being humble right now. This is a very brash young team. Swagger. I don't care how talented you are, man. Baseball is true to form. And baseball will punish you if you don't consistently play clean baseball. The game will punish you. It will find your flaws if you don't play consistent, clean baseball. And the White Sox have not gotten to that point. You know, whether it's defensively, whether it's, you know, clutch situational hitting, having a strong approach. It's like everybody has to pull on the rope together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the White Sox, Maybe they need to go through this. Maybe this is one of the things they need to go through to really understand. It takes a little bit more than just us being super talented. And I tell people this all the time. They're going to win the AL Central next year because mm -hmm. they're better. And there's no other roster in the AL Central that can match their talent. And as long as they're healthy, they're going to win the AL Central. Yeah. Now. We're watching the first two games, and we have to be honest and say, yo, if we're really going to win, 
a World Series championship. Either the bats have to catch fire over the next three weeks mm-hmm. or we got some work to do. And we got some things to change, right? Because as much as I love Lance Lynn, as much as I love Geo, I would feel real comfortable with Max Scherzer being that game one starter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Without question. Super comfortable if he's my game one starter. And I just threw that name out there. I doubt that the White Sox would spend that much money on an older pitcher like that. But I would feel more comfortable if Mike Kopech had been my, my game one starter. That's interesting. You know? That's interesting. So, this is what we're talking about. Like, even though we have a team that has World Series aspirations and they have talent, the game of baseball, it humbles you. And they're being humble right now, and it's up to them how quickly they respond. Will their response come next year? After things have been, after Rick Hans made moves and they've learned by losing, or will their response come on Sunday night? You know, and they start, you know, a three-game winning streak that will eventually lead them to the ALCS against whoever comes out of this Tampa-Boston uh, series. So I want to get your thoughts on what you thought about LaRusse's Michael Kopech comments. It was it was stupid. It was one of the dumbest comments. I didn't hear it. I just saw the tweet. And mm-hmm. I think the first person that tweeted it out was Jesse Rogers. And when I saw the tweet, I retweeted it and was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? If we had a chance to win, we would have pitched him. What are you talking about? It's a tie game. It's a tie game going to the seven. Like, what do you mean if you had a chance to win? You had a chance to win. It was baffling to hear in, in, in real time. Um Again, like I, I thought it was a, a reaction and, you know, you know, him trying to protect his, uh, you know, his decision and everything like that. But I feel like it was too obvious to ignore. You, you know, you, you groomed him for that moment. You know, if if you're not going to play Kopech in that moment, then why did you stick him in the bullpen the way you did this year? And keep it a bean. Keep yeah. it a bean. Like if you all discussed, if you sat with Rick and Kenny, and Ethan Katz, and you all said, yo, we don't know what's going on with Rodon, and we don't know how Dylan's going to react. Yes. So that's, you know, let's hold Kopech back. Because he may have to go in game four. He might have to go in game four, mm-hmm. or he might have to come in and throw, a, you know, four or five innings mm-hmm. in game three, mm-hmm. depending on how the series goes. Keep it a bean. And it's like, okay, cool, because you still have enough in your bullpen if you go – Bummer, instead of Crochet, who had just pitched the day before, mm-hmm. if you come in with Bummer then, and then go to Para, then Kimbrel, and then Hendricks, who can give you five outs if need be. It was like you could have maneuvered and worked your way mm-hmm. and collected those 15 to 12 outs that you needed to close out the game without Michael Kopech. But don't talk to us like the question isn't legit. And we don't know what we're looking at or what we're watching. Period. Like he's a he's the number two reliever. If, if Leon Hendricks is the number one reliever in that bullpen, mm-hmm. Michael Kopech is one eight. Without question. 
and he hasn't pitched in two games. I understand game one, but there was no reason why he should not have seen the mound today. I is there's no reason. There's nothing Tony LaRusa can say to convince me or anybody else that was part of the media or White Sox fans. Mm -hmm. See, now at, the, at the same time, bro, I feel like it's very on brand. Like we said, you know, we've seen this uh, from Tony LaRusa. And honestly, I feel like yeah. it's time to really, you know, it's time to really be critical of some of the decision making because this is why he was, this is why they said he was hired. Right, right. You know, for these playoff moments. And honestly, they could have kept Ricky Renteria around for the display that we saw today. You know, the, the mismanagement of the bullpen, the uh, the decision, you know what I mean, to, I mean, and if you want to play the metrics, I mean, I feel like if, if we've seen anything over the last five years in playoff baseball, you look at Dave Roberts in LA or uh, our boy in Tampa Bay yes, uh, last year with Blake Snell, you got to be proactive when it comes to getting your pitcher out of there and not reactive. You know, so so he he pushed Geo out there. He he walks two out of the first three guys, and now you're reacting, trying to not let the floodgates open, and that's what happens. I feel like it's a funder. It really comes down to just a, a misunderstanding. I feel of of the way you play the game today. You know, and and I know Tony Larusa is old school, but you hey. just mentioned Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts, NL wild card game. Winner go home, Max Scherzer on the mound, mm -hmm. goes and takes the ball. Mm -hmm. Scherzer's looking at him like, yo, Bruh. what are you doing? Like, you know who I am, right? I'm going, I'm going to get my one of my main guys out this bullpen to stabilize this situation right now. I'm not about uh, – we're not about to allow this game to get out of control. Trust me. It's winner go home. Yes. And you have to play game two the same way. If you're Tony LaRusso, without question, it's win or go home. We can't afford to go down to zip. Without question, which is basically the reason why I feel like it's irresponsible to to make some of the decisions he made today. So, you know, if you if you not if you're not starting Cesar Hernandez and you're not just dying or or just like bleeding for a bat, there's right. no reason to give him one. And then especially to take out. Your best, you know, your second best defensive outfielder in a close game. You know, every time I think about it, it I feel like he just kind of left his guys out there to dry a little bit today. And and I don't want to absolve anybody else's fault. I feel like the, the offense, uh, the the fact that they've been so one dimensional and haven't really, you know, even gotten close to being a threat, or, you know, of going boom. But it's not even about. Bro, it's not even about Cesar Hernandez. Mm -hmm. Brian yeah. Goodwin is on the bench. Not an option. Not an option. Okay. You know, and and it, again, did he not prove? I mean, and this is, I mean, I want to know. First of all, did he not prove that he belonged in this roster? You know, I I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, and but honestly, you know, these are the moments, man. It, these are the moments that make That's you going feel back like, to the structure before the series starts. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Hey, man. You know, Sunday night, 
I, I know that on that plane ride home, it was some conversations being had about what need, you know, how they need to be, you know, what ways they need to be ready for this game on Sunday night. My worry is now you have to play three games like they're your last game. Well, I mean, and, they, and, they, and can the bullpen last? Yeah, I mean, you know, can you, you know, how are you going to handle? Well, the, the bullpen has to cover two, right? Yeah. Because if you make it to a game five, everybody, everybody, everybody on deck, don't matter. Everybody deck, starters, uh -huh. everybody's on deck. Mm -hmm. Right. So the bullpen has to cover two games at home, get us back to Houston, and then literally, Every starter you have can throw two innings, except for the starter that that pitched game four. Everybody else, mm -hmm. all hands on deck. That's the way it has to be because they have Lance McCullers waiting for a game. Uh, he'll, he'll be ready. I don't think they start him on short day, you know, short rest in game four, but I think they have him waiting for game five. Uh, back at home without question. Oh, yeah. You just waiting to slam that card on the table, like oh, 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 that's the big joker. Oh, yeah, that's the big joker. Sheets was also available. I mean, if you just needed a pinch hitter, I'm trying. Uh, Gav is, 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 I mean, Gav was actually on the roster when I was talking about Brian Goodwin. I'm like, yo, I don't understand why he's not part of this roster just to have that option. Mm -hmm. You know, in that situation is a situation he's been in more than a few times this year. You know, we've right. seen Gavin be successful in, in pinch hitting situations and, and situations where he came off the bench. If he gets more than one at back, it's like, come on, man. It's like, did, were you paying attention? And I know, I, you know, on Twitter and, and, and the social media, we get all the Tony LaRusso jokes. Oh, he's yeah. sleeping during the game. But I'm like, were you paying attention to to how you are successful? Because I just I just feel like they 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 look like a completely different team as far as energy wise, and even just how I, I you know the, the last couple of weeks I felt they were playing well into the playoffs. You look at a guy like Eloy Jimenez, who I feel like. Is is kind of behind on everything right now, and and if he can't find a way to to bring what he does to the table, that power, that that crazy um, ability on offense, you know, then of course you know it, it's going to be trouble for the White Sox. I do want to give him credit in left. You know, we made a big deal about him. Um, you know, people were saying, hey, don't give him a glove. But he made a couple of good plays today, and I felt that that throw home uh, on that sack fly, yeah, mind, I wanted Yasmani to catch that, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we need a little more from uh, from everybody, but definitely back home. You know, I'm expecting guys like Eloy. I'm expecting yeah. guys like Mankata, and uh, you brought him up early, Abreu, to be in perfect position to uh, – to contribute and have a bigger impact that is absolutely needed. Yeah, I need these uh, I need their bats to be more more consistent, more in tune, and I need to see everybody with the same approach. You know what? I I want to see them take a page out of the Astros, but honestly, it, it's gotten to a situation where uh, you got to look at your opponent and be like, "You know what? We need to do that." 
I, I thought that uh, Lance Lynn said something interesting in the, in the post-game press conference, you know, after his start. Uh, he got asked, why are the Astros so tough to, to pitch to? And he said, because they pick and choose when they need to be aggressive. And, you know, he said the second time around, you're not facing the same Altuve, you know, or, or you know, these guys just come with a different plan every time around. And you just do not see that. I I haven't seen that from the White Sox all year, bro. Yeah, you know how you combat that? You know how you combat that? I pitched in high school. You know how you combat that? Let them know. We throw strikes. You don't nitpick. We throw strikes, and you throw your breaking ball and get it over. That's simple. It's a team that wants to hit the fastball. They, you get to dictate. You have the ball. And when you have the ball and you feel like they're dictating to you, see, that that bothers me. Because that sounds like Lance Lynn is like, yo, they dictate to me what I can do because of their mindset. I don't care what your mindset is. I'm executing my pitches. Uh-huh. And I got good stuff. See what you can do with it. See, the mindset, I'm, I'm just bothered about the mindset, especially if our first two starting pitches, man, from that comments in post game, like hey, you that said it, man comment you said it a minute ago. Geo's comment is like, man, hold on. Those That's are two not... that are being humble, bro. Exactly. Like, yo, you coming into this series, dude, you gotta be a bulldog. And that I guess that's what Lance Lynn was supposed to be. That's what he was supposed to be for this team. But you know, I guess he was supposed to be similar to John Lester, what he was for the 2016 Cubs. Nah, we, we haven't seen that. Nah, and John Lester what, had a World Series ring and was and, and knew exactly what it took to, to fulfill that role. Right. Land, like you said, you know, I feel like his attitude in the regular season, and I liked it. You know what I mean? I liked the edge, and I liked, uh, you know, the aggressiveness, aggressiveness, uh, aggressiveness and, and the way he kind of builds himself up. But that, like I said, you know, at the top of the show, bro, it's been like piddles, me a pit bulls put up the poodles. Right. And, uh, we've been seeing that that bark is kind of, it's kind of light. It's kind of light when you up against a big dog. And, uh, but like you, you know, I feel like the best thing you said, bro, and, and it's, it's still playing in my head is when are they going to respond? Are they going to respond on Sunday? Or are they going to respond next season? Next season. That's, that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, yo, it's three pitches that I would feel comfortable with. Well, I don't want to say comfortable for one of them, but it's three names out there that you say to yourself, yo, if they're my number one going into a playoff series, I'm cool with that. Trevor Bauer is one of those names, but I'm not comfortable with his situation right now. No, you got to keep him on ice. You got to keep him on ice. Yeah. Like, he literally should be with the Dodgers right now. <laughs> He's killing their playoff chances. But uh -huh. Justin Verlander is coming back off injury. He might not have the same stuff, but it's Justin Verlander. I know the moment's not going to get to him. No, he's going to be ready. And Max Scherzer. Mm -hmm. Two dogs. I don't know what it's going to cost. Verlander might be a little bit cheaper, more than likely. But, or we sit here and we say, man, Michael Kopech is going to be that guy we're finally going to see 
He he has to be the biggest addition to the to the rotation. Star rotation. Yeah, without question. More than likely, you're losing Rodon. More than likely. And you're not gonna find somebody with the with the potential that Michael Kopech has. Like he could be your number one for the next five seasons. Facts. You know I mean, and uh, and it, I feel like even you know, honestly, SD, I thought that they would try to groom him for that moment this year. I wasn't mad at the you know them implementing him into the bullpen, but I felt that it was room for him in that rotation this year, and that they could have used him. And and, and I, that that was before Rodon was pitching out of his mind, right? You know I mean? But like you said, with them, you know, primed to possibly lose Rodon. And I was talking to Gene yesterday, and I'm I'm putting myself in Rick Hahn's shoes, and I'm like, do I want to lose Rodon? You know what I mean? You know, and I know that you know his situation is a kind of tough one right now. Yeah. But they could use him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, Keiko won't. You know, Keiko is out the door as far you know, just as far as everything goes. He probably can't even use him anymore. Um. You lose Rodon, it's just open as in his pitching staff, and Michael Kopech has to be, I feel like, you know, one of the guys that you're looking at as your ace. Yeah, I agree. So we wanted to talk about some of the plays. We talked about them, the Astros being able to find a way to hit the ball back up the middle or, like, somewhere where the White Sox weren't playing. They were shifted over here to the right, on the right side of second base. They hit the ball, Alvarez and Tucker hit the ball the opposite way, usually what Tim Anderson is. Uh, I know Gino pointed out in the seventh inning, if they were playing a double play depth, you know, they have probably have a better chance to get to the Bregman ground ball. Yep. And uh, maybe another ground ball. Positioning, it's not just about analytics. And this is where, you know, sabermetrics and all of that stuff, irritates me because as a manager you have to have a feel for the game and it's not about just looking at a chart and saying this is the guy at the plate we play this way perfect example is when alvarez was up man at first and second like normally you have everybody on the right side of second base in a normal shift when man on first and second you can't be that drastic mm-hmm like, Tim has to be on the other side of second base. Got to protect. He has to be, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to be throwing the ball away. <laughs> especially. And, of course, they pitch the ball away, ground ball. If Tim is right there on the other side of second base, he grabs that, he runs the second, t- steps on second, throws the first way out of the end. That's just little stuff like that. You have to play the ballpark as well. When it comes to positioning players, it's, it's a lot more than just looking at numbers. Like, who is the pitcher? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to accomplish? What's his plan against this team? Then what do the numbers say? And on top of that, how does this infield play? All of that goes into this and the situation. Men in first and second, there's no reason that everybody – on that side, Tim should be on the left side of second base, being able to at least hold that runner closer to second a little bit instead of giving that runner another step and a half. So you have a chance to throw him out if there is a single. Just little things like that. Uh, the White Sox, man, they continue the coaching staff, 
Tony LaRusa, like you said, a sleep at the wheel or whatever. Today was just an open show that, yo, we got to get better. We have to get better. Dug yeah. out, on the field, up top, executives, we got to be better as an organization to get to that next level. And like you said, I don't know if it's going to come next season. Hopefully it starts Sunday. See, oh, man. Did we feel like that two days ago? Did, did we feel did, did we feel like we were looking at a team? And, and, well, and I feel like it, the you know the outside of the obvious positions, we were going to need a right fielder, second base. You know, was a, a position you're going to be looking at. Yeah, I just think personally, you know, people talk about me around here at the station. I'm I'm the negative Sox fan. I'm not the negative Sox fan. <laughs> Like, I just see, I played the game. I know the game. I see the flaws. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be cool because they're winning. And it's the middle of July. And that's fun. I'm looking at we the way it. they're playing this game, even though they won, and I'm translating it to October. And I'm telling you, they're not going to win that game playing this way in October. So when a game like today happens, I say, this is what I've been saying. A July game against Cleveland, this is probably a W. A July <laughs> game against the Tigers, this is probably a W. On family night. Yes. Yeah. It's probably a win. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. All the lights are going off and everything. But no, down at the trop or the down in Minute Maid, mm -hmm. in that environment, Man, bro, it's a really good team. It's not. It's not happening. No, it's not. It's happening. not, it's not happening. Mm -mm. And unless they tighten everything up, they got to tighten. They got to tighten it up. They got to tighten it up. That's it. They got to tighten it up. Without question, they they definitely have to tighten it up. I feel like they it's it's still time to tweak their approach. You know, I was watching uh, Tim Tim's first hit back, and I just feel like he can't get. Yeah, it's it's Tim it's Tim's way or the highway, and I'm you know I don't think that it's too much of an issue. But if if his job is to set the tone, you saw what kind of game it was going to be again. You know, from his at bat, you know, and um, I would like I, you know if the if the game plan is to you know. You want the White Sox to be more patient. I think the White Sox have to be a little bit more patient than they have been uh, and have to value putting the ball in play instead of trying to get everything back on one swing. Well, see, this, once again, this goes back to, like, your park, right, knowing your park. Tim has, at home, mm -hmm. Tim has a very sweet swing to the opposite field. Doubles, home runs, we've seen it. At home, we didn't see that. Like he took the ball back mm -hmm. up the middle, he got his hits. What we talking about? Like power, extra base hits. He's very comfortable going to the opposite field at home for multiple hits and extra base hits. Moncada has a sweet spot at home. Guys just feel comfortable at home. Louis, man, you have this 
We got to be honest, bro. Like this moment, let's let's just be honest for a second. I Altuve and Tim are probably a wash. Okay, very similar. We talked about that when we previewed the series. Louis and Brantley, I probably would take Louis mm-hmm. all around. Oh yeah. But that cat Brantley's he's had some clutch. He built for the moment. Built for the moment, right? Without question. Then you go to yo, that six batter is like the, the batting champion, bro. <laughs> Bad six. Come on. He's and, the and batting you know, champion. That you know, that was my thing looking at this lineup, bro. And you got Correa, he's batting fifth, and then Correa's batting six, right? Correa's batting six, bro. This dude is about to get three hundred million. He's batting six. He's batting six. Surrounded by other lethal mugs. You what? Dennis Bregman. Bregman is batting third. Yeah. So what? Uh, Tucker after that. So yeah, I do. You got Alvarez, right? Then you got Guriel. Then uh, you got Correa. Then you got Tucker, who might be the hottest batter on their team bro. over the last month and a half. Right, but see, this is the thing. Tucker came up as a youngster being in these moments. Mm-hmm. Like, as a youngster, he was playing playoff games or either being a part of playoff pushes. So he has that experience. Like, he's ready for the moment. Our guys are really just getting introduced to the moment. Period, SD. Yo, I, and I, that's what I hope people hear. Yeah, I mean, I I really hope they hear that these guys are definitely learning the moment. To their credit, I feel like they've proved time and time again they're fast learners. Yeah, and it do. This is my thing, which goes back to the game humbling humbling you as we get ready to go. If you're gonna talk that ish, talk that ish, regardless. Like I think I was disappointed. I'll be very interested. I don't know if anybody asked him about it. Um, uh, Tim struck out, I believe it was in the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Tim struck out, and I forget the reliever for Houston. Let me, matter of fact, let me look it up, dude, because I don't want to get – I know Tim struck out, and the reliever must have said something to Tim. As oh, he walked back. As, as, as he walked back, because Tim got to the dugout. Calling him out his name and calling him a weak MF and all that stuff. And you I'm like, I think he was talking to the catcher. Okay. I think the catcher may have said something to him as, as soon as he, as soon as, uh, you know, that swing, as soon as he got the ball, I think the catcher said something to him. Yeah. Cause, you know, Tim was talking to himself walking back to the dugout upset because, mm-hmm. like, the ball he struck out on was a hanging, breaking ball. Tim felt like he should have crushed it. And, all of a sudden, I just see him in the dugout, and it looked like Tim was talking to the pitcher, but you said he was talking to Maldonado, and I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, hold on. Like, dude, be cool. Like, mm-hmm. be cool. <laughs> like, don't get frazzled like that. Be cool, man. Like, whatever they said, just come back. Do uh-huh. your thing. I no, was I, 100% SD, like, that 
that moment stood out to me as well because he kind of turned and looked over his left shoulder real quick as he started to walk away. And, uh, and Maldonado got rid of that ball real quick. You know yeah. I mean? It was like, okay. It was Stanek. Yeah. Stanek struck him out, and it was like, wow, Tim, man, compose yourself, bro. Because he was like, yo, you weak motherfucker. Like, yo. Like, man, what did this dude say? <laughs> and for it to be that loud in the stadium, for him to hear it, I'm like, man, he had to say something. But now, coming from the catcher, coming from Maldonado as he's walking back makes more sense because mm -hmm. he's right there as soon as he swings. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. And it, it makes sense, too. Because I was like, yo, this dude just struck you out. How you call him in a weak MF? And that's not Tim. That's not yeah. the guy, You know what I mean? Yeah. Tim really, like, when he strikes out, he respects it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, man, let me just go back to the dugout. Right. <laughs> you know? He definitely, he had a little slow walk, and it was kind of one of those, hold on, yeah, it's one of those big walks, you know what I mean? Yeah, he I came back, he came back in the ninth inning, you know, responded, tried mm -hmm. to start the rally. He did. Yeah, but basically what we're saying is Sunday night is going to be all about the response to this young team. That's it. Mm -hmm. Either they respond Sunday night or they respond next season. That's it. That's what it comes down to. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, bro. They, they either uh, win or stay home. That's it. Okay. Yeah, right. And they do. What better way to have this type of game than on your home field where you were the best in the league? They couldn't. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's what, you know. That's what they have going for them. I, I totally feel like the the weather change uh, may be, you know, maybe something to keep your eye on, bro. It was, it was hot in Texas, man. Okay, even with that, with the dome closed, the dome closed. Know, close to eighty in the building still. Yeah, you know I mean, so yeah, yeah, so you know the elements, you know, weren't a factor at all. It's gonna, it's gonna be kind of cold. So. We'll see, even though these guys are, you know, World Series champions trying to get to the ALCS for the fifth straight time. You got to respect uh, what the Astros have built, bro. You know what I mean? And um, from a White Sox standpoint, you look at what the Astros, how the Astros are playing, and, and you know that this is you, that's the level you want to be on. Like, but again, back to your point, does the road to that level start Sunday or next season? So, yeah, you know for a fact. You watch the first two games, like yo, oh, this is what it looks like. Period. To play at that level. Period. This is what it looks like. We spent a lot of time beating up on the Indians and Tigers, right? And Royals, right? You no, know, these are the big dogs. Okay, we know so, that. First pitch Sunday, around seven ten, as always, and uh, you can hear it. Every pitch on ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago, and the ESPN Chicago app. And at It's the Bigs, at Tomlin Does It, Stay Humble. They'll have every pitch and every moment of game three of the ALDS live and guaranteed rate. They'll have your pregame on the field. They'll have your postgame on the field after the dub. I'm just going to go out there and put it out there. After the dub, we'll be talking about game four. By the way, uh, Sunday night should be perfect, 68 degrees, winds coming off the lake, and um, it should be a really perfect night. 
that yes, Monday, Monday is a 70% chance of rain. So if they do win Sunday night, that Monday game might end up getting pushed to Tuesday or either it's just going to be a sloppy game. <laughs> no. Gritty baseball in the mud. Absolutely. So from my guy, Terrence Tomlin, I'm Sean Davis. This has been Sources on the Soil, recapping games. Sources on the Soil, the podcast recapping games one and two of the ALDS. White Sox down two zip to the Houston Astros, looking to turn the tide at home at Guarantee Rate Field on Sunday evening. And uh, we hopefully that's going to be a great day. We get a win out in Vegas, set it up Sunday night, Come double on. up. Come on. And everybody's happy for. Let's be a Chicago sports day that goes down in history. Let's in do history. It. Let's get it done. Everybody show up. Show up in your black and let the blackout be just as intimidating as the Astros fans were to our players down in Houston. All right? We bid you adieu. Peace out.